Welcome to the Report Card with Nat Malkus. On the Report Card, we evaluate research policy and practice efforts to improve the lives of families, schools, and students. And today, we want to talk about one such effort to address America's widening skills gap. It's estimated that by 2024, the economy will create 16 million jobs that require post-high school education, but not necessarily a college degree. But when we look at the community college sector, we see that on-time grad rates are stuck under 20%, and their connections to the actual jobs in industries that need them may not be that certain. That leaves quite a few of us concerned about how we're going to fill this skills gap and how we're going to equip students for the jobs that will be waiting for them in the years to come. To talk about this, I invited Grace Sue, Vice President for Education at IBM, to talk about Pathways in Technology Early College High Schools. And fortunately, it's got a shorter name. That's P-Tech. In P-Tech schools, students graduate in six years with both a high school diploma and an associate's degree in a STEM field and an industry partner that offers workplace learning and paid internships. That's quite a package. Grace, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Nat. Grace, P-TECH allows students to earn both a high school and an associate's diploma. It's a flexible program. It's going to be more than four years. It goes up to six. Before we get into the, the exact program, what's the problem that P-TECH is designed to solve? P-TECH is designed to solve both education attainment issues as well as the skills gap. And these are really two problems that should be solved in tandem. So P-TECH lies at the nexus of education and workforce development. We are focused on raising community college graduation rates and really preparing them with both the technical and professional skills they need for the jobs of the 21st century. So give me a thumbnail of the program. We'll, we'll push out the particulars later, but you know, what does P-TECH do that other schools don't? At its foundation, P-TECH is a partnership between high schools, community colleges, and industry partners. I believe that P-TECH lives and dies by the partnership. It's about each partner coming together, providing their best expertise to ensure that students have a seamless pathway from high school to community college attainment and into careers or more college. So it's that fusion that public-private partnership, which we believe is one of the most powerful forces for social change, that's enabling students to be successful in both college and career. How did the first P-TECH school get organized? So the first P-TECH school started in Brooklyn, New York. It's a collaboration between the New York City Department of Education, the City University of New York, and IBM. Collaboratively, we came up with this idea of how do you stop the leakages that happen when students go from high school to community college and then from community college to career. So we worked collectively to determine what are the ingredients that we need to put into this model. It's a very deliberate design around this partnership to ensure that we would get all students, regardless of where they start in the model, to degree completion and be ready with the skills that were needed by industry. So high school and college coursework is all integrated together. Students, in addition, are able to participate in a range of workplace experiences. On day one, they get a mentor from industry who serves as their role model and their guide, helps them keep their eye on the end goal 
because it is, for a 14-year-old, a long journey to a community college degree and then looking toward careers. We also take students on worksite visits. They participate in a number of project days like hackathons. As soon as they turn 16 years old, they get to participate in skills-based paid internships. So they come to their industry partner, they are immersed into teams, and they get to be able to showcase their skills as well as push the envelope on their skills. And so they're doing internships starting in 11th grade? 16 years old, the equivalent of 11th grade, I suppose. Right, yep. And how much time do they spend off school site and on industry site? We really want the school to feel open and fluid. I'm from New York, so I like to think about it as Grand Central Station. There is an influx into the school of industry professionals who are exposing students to ideas and the world of work. At the same time, when students are mature enough, they are going to industry sites. They're going when they're young for worksite visits. But then that paid internship gives them the chance to really be part of a company, do a real project that's contributing to the company and getting that experience as well. Ultimately, when students graduate, they become first in line for jobs. Now, that's not a guarantee of a job, but it does mean you get an interview, which is very significant for a young person who might have a one-page resume to really be able to explain themselves beyond that piece of paper, especially because what companies are really looking for is, yes, technical acumen, but also those intangibles, those professional skills, communication, problem-solving, critical thinking, and to be in front of a hiring manager and be able to show case that's those skills is very significant. Yeah, those connections are obviously valuable. You started with one school in New York. How big is that school now? I'm so give me a sense of how big individual P-Tech schools mm-hmm. should grow to be or in your mind, but also how big is P-Tech writ large? P-Tech Brooklyn is a small school model as all P-Tech schools are. There are 100 students per cohort or per class. Okay. So P-TECH schools range from roughly 50 to 100 students around the nation and around the world. We're now in more than 200 schools by the end of this year. We'll be in 10 states and 13 countries. We never, even from the first day we started talking about P-TECH, wanted this to be a singular jewel in Brooklyn serving only a small number of students. Mm-hmm. We always wanted this to be a public education reform movement. So we've been very focused on sharing early results and stewarding the model forward by talking to government leaders because P-TECH does require policy and funding change in order to work, trying to understand where this model could be a pathway for more young people. So let's talk a little bit about the things that need to be in place for this to work, because, you know, it sounds great, but Quite honestly, with three different integral partners working together, it sounds like a logistical nightmare. And it also sounds like you got to get a bunch of sort of deadweight standard operating procedures out of the way before you can instill this kind of a program. I mean, this is a program that does high school and a two-year degree in a flexible four- to six-year program, but of course... All our accountability programs, we want to know how many of your high school kids are graduating in four years. So you're sort of hitting what could be a a six-year program into a four-year hole, right? 
So there's a lot in that question. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> so let me start where we start with PTEC, which is talking to policymakers, right. because we are asking them to rethink what high school is. So high school not as four years, but six years. Right. So in order to do that, we do need to have policy change in place. And in certain states like Maryland or Texas or Colorado, we do have legislation in place that recognizes that high school can be six years and not four. So that legislation then enables funding and it enables a de-siloing of the system, enabling high school, community college, and industry to really integrate their expertise in ways that make P-TECH possible. In P-TECH, the associate's degree is provided for free, and we're serving historically underserved young people. So those two pieces are really important to the policy piece because we need to make sure that the funding is in place, that the associate's degree is provided for free, that years five and six of the model or grades 13 and 14 are covered. And all students and their families need to worry about is working hard, meeting us with the supports that we're providing to earn their college degree. So that's what we put in place on the state side. And every state is doing it differently. Then once we have that in place, we work at the local level to create these partnerships. And these are organic opportunities. We establish steering committees up for the school that includes key decision makers from each partner. And we work collectively together. One of the first steps we do is the industry partner shares the skills required for new collar jobs. Those are the jobs, but middle skill jobs right. that require an associate's degree. I like that new collar job. Yeah, they're not blue collar or white collar, but they are jobs that require more than a high school diploma, some post-secondary credentialing, but not necessarily a four-year degree. That's something that IBM has coined. We work together to share the skills for new-collar jobs, and then we work with educators to make sure that the high school and college curriculum is mapped toward those skills. Because ultimately, if we are promising students that they're going to be first in line for jobs, we don't want that to be a hollow promise. We want to make sure that students are earning the skills that are actually hireable at the end of the day. Then we create the scope and sequence of integrated high school and college coursework as well as the workplace experiences. And we develop different roadmaps. We have some students we know will go on a more accelerated path. They may graduate in four years. We've even had students graduate in three and a half with both the diploma and the associate's degree. And we have students who will graduate in five, and we have students who will graduate in six. All of those are successes. Then we make sure that we build in the supports, professional development, all of the different kinds of workplace experiences tailored to that specific school. Now, we have schools now in three different areas. We have IT, advanced manufacturing, and healthcare. These are all areas that are new-collar job opportunities. And there's more than 600 industry partners involved now in the model. Some are working in consortiums to be able to serve a single school. So they all have their individual steering committees working together to make sure that students are progressing toward community college attainment and really prepared with the skills required for jobs. So the industry partners bring some things to the table. They bring some of their people's time. They're yes. going to spend it on this. They're willing to take interns on for a good deal of time. What's the value proposition for the industry partners? From a 
corporate social responsibility point of view, more and more companies are looking for a return on their investment. It's great when you as a company can go in and paint a school. That's a really wonderful feel-good thing for employees. And it's a wonderful thing to do for schools. But in addition, you know, thinking about how do we create something also with long-term value for students, families, schools, and the companies themselves. There's so, also the question of how good IBMers are at painting, which may not, uh, be, you know, well, not necessarily a perfect match to their skill sets. We've got some amazing design thinkers at IBM who, who have painted schools. Right. And done amazing jobs. But that being said, you know, we think our real value add is helping students find their way into the 21st century economy. That being said, what the model enables companies to do is rather than waiting for the at the end, looking into the talent pipeline, seeing who's going to pop out, we get right there into the talent pipeline help develop that talent, students feel a lot of affiliation with the companies that are serving their schools. And then at the end of the day, we have the opportunity to hire them. So at IBM, for example, we've had now about 118 graduates from our first school, P-Tech Brooklyn. And of those, we've hired 24 into the company. They're doing a range of things from front end engineer to customer service representative. So a range of different opportunities for young people. So when you talk to industry partners, which are obviously essential for this to work out, without them, you just don't have P-Tech, are they chomping at the bit to sign up? Is it a hard sell? And where do you find most demand for participation in these kind of programs? Companies are chomping at the bit. That's witnessed by the fact that we already have 600 industry partners involved across the 120 schools that are currently open. We'll have more industry partners by the end of this year when we have more than 200 schools involved. One, they're looking for an opportunity to engage in schools. Two, they're looking for an opportunity to build their talent pipeline. This is something that just makes so much sense for them. So we have a lot of companies that are raising our hand, that are working with us to advocate for the model in different states and different countries. Industry is ready to participate, and we want them at the table very committed to meeting the different demands of PTEC. And they are significant for an industry. You know, asking an industry to be there at the table beginning day one for six years, but really forever, working with that school to ensure that students are getting the full complement of skills required for jobs of the future. Let's talk for a minute about student choice. And I don't want to ask this question from a standpoint of, oh, we need to make sure that students have absolute choices all the time. When we make a choice to go down a road, we must forego other choices. Sure. But that's pretty fraught when you're talking about 14-year-olds. So to what degree does P-TECH allow kids flexibility down the line? And to what degree does it ask them to say, hey, commit and we have benefits for that commitment, but you know, you need to stay. For instance, it seems like most of the time it's a STEM pipeline. And so they're advantages for humanities instruction may be limited. Am I wrong? To start, P-TECH is open enrollment. So the idea is that there are no testing or grading requirements. Our focus is on disadvantaged young people. We work really hard in recruitment 
to ensure that students really understand what this opportunity means, and not just the students, but their parents as well. Right. Because it is an investment. They are going to be participating in a more rigorous pathway because they're earning a college degree. We do have students who participate in the model, and at year three, they say, I want to be a lawyer, or I want to be a veterinarian. Sure. And what we tell them is today, things like technology are everywhere, and you're going to have to know how to work with it, whether directly or indirectly. And the value of having this two-year degree is something that no one can ever take away from you. So we really focus students on the value of that credential and provide them with the supports they need to actually want to stay. And that's where industry really helps. Because when you have a mentor, when you have the opportunity to be in a paid internship, that compels you to want to stay. And when you see your peers actually succeeding, earning their degrees earlier, getting the opportunities to be at a workplace, that also creates a culture of high achievement with everybody moving forward in the same direction. So let's talk about that. You brought up the achievement word. How do you measure achievement in a program like this? For instance, you know, in a lot of places, we want to look at high school graduation, and that makes sense. But do you measure it by test scores? Do you measure it by kids' placements in jobs? Do you measure it by the percentage going to college? It seems like, you know, you're sort of stretching the program to incorporate more goals than a typical high school does. So how do you all gauge progress? There's a huge range of measures that we look at. We look at student attendance. Our schools typically have higher attendance rates than similar schools in their districts. We also look at high school performance. We look at college readiness. So when students demonstrate that they're ready for college coursework. And for many of our students, that means the summer after their ninth grade. We look at college performance. Meeting the high school graduation requirements is also a significant marker. And many schools, I believe almost all of our P-TECH schools are held to that accountability measure. So we do look at year four how many students are meeting the high school graduation mark. And then we're looking at college graduation. We are looking at then where do students go? Are they going on for more college, which we see as a huge win? Many of our students are first in their families to graduate with a college degree. And we're also looking at career attainment. The model is still young. We're in our eighth year. We only have a handful of schools that have gone through all six years of the model, but we're seeing really promising results. The next largest cohort is now finishing its fifth year. I know there's going to be really strong, significant results coming from that cohort of schools. So I'll have to come back and talk to you in three months to share that data. So P-TECH has a lot to like, but we're also talking about fairly small schools and small programs. And I understand why, but how do you all look at scaling this up? It seems like there's a lot of value. Love the alignment. Alignment may be the hardest thing to scale up. So is P-TECH sort of a bespoke program for a few niche areas and it's destined to be small? Or do you see this as something that can scale up to serve a large percentage of students? We're seeing significant scale. So we are currently have schools open in eight U.S. states. We'll have 10 by 2020, at least 10. We're in discussions with a number of other states, and I do expect other states to launch as well. 
and because the skills gap and this idea of education achievement for especially disadvantaged youth is a global issue. We're in 13 countries, and I know that we'll be in more as well over time. We're in countries like Korea and Singapore, which score high on PISA tests, but understand that they still have a skills gap problem, and they still are not serving their most underserved youth, and P-TECH provides a solution for that. I really see P-TECH as not a replacement for many of the amazing programs that are on out there or even for traditional high school. But I do believe that it's a powerful pathway for some students. It's a pathway that we believe should be in every single state in the union. And we're working toward that by talking to governors and state legislators, by building advocates at district levels, by getting champions at the industry level, all beginning to talk and discuss about how they can make the changes in both policy and funding to make the model happen. So right now, where would you say you're hitting the bottleneck on that growth? Is it regulations that get in the way of setting it up? Is it finding community college partners? Is it finding sufficient industry partners? Where do you run into the bottleneck? We run into the bottleneck, and it varies. In the United States, it's around providing the two-year college degree for free and the alignment, because there are states now that are putting in free community college. Right. But they know that that's not enough. I mean, you can provide a free degree, but if you don't provide the seamless pathway to get there, then you may not elicit the kinds of data that you want to see at the end of the day. But we need to make sure that the model is sustainable over time and that there's both policy language as well as the ongoing funding required to enable P-TECH. We are making a promise to children and their families at the start that we are going to support them to degree attainment. And we want to make sure that that's a solid promise when they are in year four, year five, and year six. So, you know, that's a challenge to make all those things with state budget issues. So when it comes right down to it, the bottleneck is around the funding and the language for long-term sustainability. So that makes sense to me. What are the funding demands, right? So there's there's two dimensions here. One is, well, we need six years of funding guaranteed for some of these students, and some may take less. You have that one student who did it in three and a half. That's fantastic. Yeah, more than one. More than one. But of course, you need to allow for six years. Sure. But not only that, is the funding demands greater than typical school expenditures in, you know, your typical high school student? The high school expenditures are the same. We need to cover the costs of the community college degree and the supports that go along with that. It may mean transportation, books, which are very expensive. Those are the kinds of costs that we need to cover. Sure. Give me a sense, Grace, of what this looks like from a kid's perspective. You know, kids who are 13, they're looking to high school and they have a certain expectation, right? You know, a whole large group of kids, typical comprehensive high school, you know, they have these expectations. What does P-TECH look like from a kid's perspective, from their experiential perspective? Well, when they walk into a P-TECH school, some people expect P-TECH schools to be really blinged out. Oh, you're partnered with IBM. Your school must look state of the art. And we actually look like a very typical New York City high school. We are in the Crown Heights section of Brooklyn 
which is a challenged area where uh, across the street from one of the most dangerous housing projects in the city. And the school is a little bit run down. But what's different about the school that I believe is very palpable and palpable across any P-TECH school that you enter is the culture. So there is a sense that no child is invisible, that all the teachers and our school leader know the names of the students, that they're all working toward a college degree. So when they come to the school on a particular day, they may have an opportunity to meet with their mentor. And they may be participating in both, eventually, both high school and college coursework at the same time. They may be doing that right within the walls of the high school when they're younger. And then as they progress through the model, they have the opportunity to actually go to the college campus. So it looks a little bit more like just early dual enrollment and often dual enrollment. Is that right? They're on very structured pathways. Right. And I think that's what distinguishes P-TECH. So students are on a very prescribed set of courses that lead to specific degrees. So, for example, at our school in Brooklyn, they're earning either a degree in electromechanical engineering or in computer systems technology. We have schools that have degrees in healthcare. We have schools that have degrees in cybersecurity. We have schools that have degrees in agribusiness. So they are taking the coursework required for degree completion. They are taking no remedial coursework, which is a really important idea given the fact that our nation spends billions of dollars on remedial coursework every year. And your chances of graduating with a diploma when you are in multiple remedial courses drops precipitously. They are only taking college credit bearing courses. Their courses are not just technical. They are taking a full range of courses in both high school and community college. So they are taking African-American literature. They are taking language courses. It depends upon the district that the partnership is in and what those requirements are. So they still have to satisfy home district requirements. Yes. And so as far as what it looks like early on may not be that different from what a typical high school would look like. but the structured pathway takes them through a fairly narrow route to this six-year program or less to get them into this narrow pathway. And that makes me wonder whether students and families get nervous about coming on board to P-TECH and signing up for a narrow pathway. I mean, you could argue that that's a bug or that it's a virtue, but I just wonder how your prospective parents tend to look at that. I think that our parents see this as an opportunity as opposed to a narrowing because it's giving them a pathway to more that was not always clear. I have never met a child without big dreams, but the pathway to get there is often very unclear. And with PTEC, we are telling children and their families, these are the steps that you need to take to get to a great job. And in PTEC schools, there's also degree choice. Right. Not a huge amount of degree choice, right. but generally at most two pathways. Right. So in Brooklyn, hardware and software. In our school in Newburgh, New York, it's cybersecurity and networking. So it depends because every, every school is a local partnership. Right. So it's designed to meet the needs of job requirements, the community college degree pathways, and where students need to be at the end of the day. Right. And that leads you with a relatively narrow set of paths. And again, I mean, I don't see that as a bad thing, but it does fly in the face of 
the way much of our education system is built, which is set up no roadblocks to any outcomes, but don't necessarily provide a narrow path that is is well trod and ends in secure work. I think the beauty of P-TECH is it really putting students in the driver's seat about their future. So this degree, whatever degree it is that they're learning, is earning, is not pigeonholing them. It's giving them the opportunity for more. It doesn't mean that just because I've earned my degree in cybersecurity that I need to go be a cybersecurity specialist for the rest of my life. No, I have an associate's degree under my belt. And not only that, not only have I gotten the academic and technical skills that I need, but because we're partnered with industry, they also have the professional skills that all people need. As technology accelerates so rapidly and jobs are going to change, at IBM, we believe 100% of jobs are going to change as a result of AI. So in the end, we need workers who have a foundation of critical thinking, problem solving, communication, adaptability, so that they're going to be able to seize the opportunities of the future, whatever those might be. Well, it's still early days for a six-year program. You're eight years in, but give us a few years to let you work and develop, and we'll have you back to see what PTEX delivered. All right, Gray Sue, thank you for coming in. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Report Card. And special thanks to our guest, Gray Sue from IBM. This podcast wouldn't be possible without our excellent team of producers. That includes Sophia Gallo, Macy Heath, Gage Hurley, and of course, Brendan Bell. You can subscribe to The Report Card on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate us and give us a review on iTunes or Google. It helps other folks hear about the show. If you have comments, questions, or topic suggestions for another episode, reach out to us at ed.podcast at AEI.org. Until next time, I'm Nat Malkus. Malkus.